Welcome again. Uh, we believe God is with us this morning. We believe, I believe God wants to speak to each one of us. There's something within each of us that wants to achieve something significant with their life. And if we want to achieve something significant, we need to be moving in the right direction. And God, as our creator, wants to show us the right direction that we should take in life so that our lives can have an impact for eternity. That's what significance is all about. It's not having a name plaque on a building. It's not about having something written up about you in a newspaper. It's about making an impact for eternity. We're talking in a message series called Need Direction. When I'm asking myself that question, do I need direction in my life? My hand is up. I need direction. I need God's direction. I'm faced with decisions each and every day. I need God's wisdom in order to make those decisions. The Bible gives us general principles that we are to align our lives with. But God has a special direction for each person beyond what his word has to say. And that's what we're going to talk about today. My message is entitled, Your Unique Plan. Let's say this together. God has... A unique, plan a unique plan just for me. God has a unique plan just for you, and your plan is different from my plan. Your plan is different from the person sitting next to you. It's a unique plan. It's a plan not that you dream up. It's something that was created by God for you before you were born. How incredible is that? He dreamed you up. He dreamed up a plan for your life, and he created you and the plan. And that plan is God's will for your life. God's unique plan for you is his will for your life. And this unique plan that God has for you, some people say, oh, I could never do that. That's too hard. No, that's something you can achieve because God created you to achieve this plan. Your unique plan is in keeping with the, God, with the way God created you. God created you with a unique set of abilities, a unique set of talents designed for you to be able to achieve his plan for your life. God's unique plan for your life fits with the time period in history in which you were born. I don't know how many times I've read historical stories and thought, you know, if I was born in the year 1000, I would never have made it. Okay? I would not have survived past 15. I mean, there's many periods in history that we just wouldn't fit in. But God has caused you to be born, caused you to be created in the 21st century that you're living in now. And that is his, by his design. God's unique plan fits with where you live. You know, you were born in a certain place. Now, you might not live in the place you were born, but there's a pattern in how you moved. God's unique plan fits with the people who surround you. But yet, some people fear God's will. I don't know what God might want me to do. I might not like it. I'm not sure if I want to know God's will. But God's will for your life, your unique plan is the very best way you could possibly live life. You could not dream up of a better way to live life than living it according to God's unique plan for you. 
by living it according to God's will for you. Anything that you could dream up that's not in God's plan for you is living below what God created you to live, where God created you to live. Let's look at the first uh, couple verses today. Now, in your bulletin is a white page. I'd encourage you to pull it out. It has the verses written out as well as the outline. Kind of help you to follow along. The verses will come up on the screen as well. Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8. Let me add that on the back of the uh, outline is some study questions. You can do those on your own or we'll be talking about them in the life groups that are meeting tonight. And so you can dig in a little more deeply uh, to understand the message, to understand God's word and to apply it. We'd encourage you to come to a group tonight or during the week. Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And so these verses speak of God's word, God's written word, and they describe how wonderful it is. It's perfect. It's trustworthy. It makes one wise. It, it gives joy. It gives light to our eyes. And those are all things that we all want. And God's plan for your life is God's unique word for you. Now, God's plan for your life is it's not written in the pages of the Bible, you see, other than a general outline. God isn't going to, there's not a chapter and verse to tell you whether you should take this job or not. There's not a verse in the Bible that tells you whether you should marry this person or not, or where you should go to school. Those are things that God has to communicate with you as his unique plan, his unique word for you. And those Unique words, the unique plan that God has for you will be in keeping with the general principles of God's word, but it will guide your steps. Look at this verse, Psalm 32, 8. I love it in the New Living Translation. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Underline that, best pathway. There's a lot of pathways we could take in life, but there is a best pathway, and God wants to guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. And so your unique plan from God, the plan that God created you to carry out, is the best pathway for your life. And God promises to guide you along it. He wants you to know that plan. He wants you to follow that plan. He's going to watch over you as you walk along that best pathway. For you see, as you walk along the best pathway, there's some forks in the road. There's some opportunities to get off the best pathway. There's some opportunities to fall into the ditch. And we don't want to fall into the ditch. And so God watches over us. And as long as we're following him, as long as we're following Jesus, we're going to stay on that, that best pathway. Following God's unique plan for your life is an exciting adventure. It is an adventure, believe you me. When you're following God's unique plan, it's not boring, it's not routine. I like us to watch a video clip called Routine. Remember, God doesn't want your life to be a boring routine. Well, if our lives are routine, if they're boring, then something is wrong. Because God's will for our life is never boring, it's never Routine. God wants to break us out of any boring routines that we have in our life. He wants us to get on with the excitement of following Jesus. Following Jesus is 
is risky business in many ways. When you're living the adventure of faith, when you're stepping out with God in new areas, you're going to be uncomfortable because God will ask you to do things you've never done before. If you're doing the same things today that you were doing for the last 10 years, that you were doing for the last 20 years, and nothing is different, then you're not following Jesus closely enough because Jesus is always asking us to do new things, to step out of the boat. But that's another message. When you're living the adventure of faith, God is going to ask you to do things in which you're going to need a miracle in order to make it. Sometimes people say, I don't see many miracles in my life. Perhaps we're not following Jesus because when you follow Him, you need miracles. You need God to come through or all will be lost. But we need to follow God with wisdom. We need to follow Jesus with wisdom. We don't want to run ahead of Him. We don't want to lag behind. We want to follow His will and His plan for our lives because that's the way He's made us. God doesn't want you or me to try to be somebody else. He wants us to be the unique people, the incredible people He's created us to be. Now today we're going to look at a passage from Romans chapter 12 to learn more about discovering and following God's unique plan for our lives. The first step is to give ourselves to God. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so finding God's direction for your life, it begins with giving yourself to God. That's what true worship is all about. I mean, sometimes people think worship is singing songs on Sunday mornings. Well, that is part of worship, but true worship is not just singing songs, even when we're here on Sunday morning, is giving yourself to God, offering yourself to God as a living sacrifice. It's about living for God, not for yourself. And so we sacrifice our will for God's will. We sacrifice our plans for God's plan. That's what true worship is all about. You say to God, I know you have a unique plan for my life. I believe you have a unique, wonderful plan for my life. And I give myself to you to carry out that plan. I sacrifice all that I am. I sacrifice everything that I have so that I might please you and follow your plan for my life. If you don't give yourself to God completely, you're never going to be able to fulfill His plan for your life. And so it all begins with giving yourself to God. Next, we need to let God renew our minds. Verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we've talked about giving yourself to God. That's an act of your will. It's, we say, I choose to give myself to God. I don't totally understand what that all means, but I give myself to God. It's a decision I make. But in order to comprehend, in order to live out God's plan for our lives, our thinking needs to change. Our minds need to be renewed. The world around us, so it talks about the pattern of this world, it's it's the unbelieving world around us. It's around us everywhere we look, wherever we go out of here. It's, it's all around us. It seeks to force us to think according to its pattern. 
to live according to the pattern of the world. The world tries to squeeze us into its mold to think and act like everybody else around us. That's the world's peer pressure. And if we succumb to the world's peer pressure, guess what? We're going to miss God's plan for our lives. Because the guidance of the world is not going to lead you on the best pathway for your life. It's going to lead you astray. It's going to lead you off that best pathway. It's going to cause you to live a routine, boring, painful, self-centered life. And so God's word tells us we need to renew our minds. We need to renew the way we think according to God's word and God's spirit. We can't let our opinions and our thinking be influenced by the world, by the talking heads on television. No longer will you agree with what everybody else says. You're going to have the backbone. You're going to have the courage to stand up and say, no, I'm going to follow God's way. I'm going to follow God's word, even though it goes against the flow of those around me. We're going to accept God's perfect will. Going on in verse 2, if we do not conform to the patterns of this world, if we're transformed by the renewing of our minds in our thinking, it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so when we allow God to renew our minds, to change our thinking, we're going to be transformed. We'll be able to accept God's will. You see, when our minds are thinking the way of the world, we can't accept God's will. It's too radically different. It doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense. We say, oh, nobody else is living like that. How can I possibly live God's way? How can I live by faith? How can I do the things God's word tells me to do? It doesn't make sense to us. But when our minds are renewed, we'll be able to accept God's will and we'll be able to test God's will. What does it mean to test God's will? It means to... Put it into practice in your life. And lo and behold, it works. It really works. And we could name all kinds of things God's Word tells us to do that's different than the way the world tells us. And when we do it, it works. We can test and approve His will. And we'll discover, you won't discover God's will is perfect, pleasing, and good until you test it, until you put it into practice in your life. And when you do, you will find out. There's no better way to live. This is it. This is a wonderful way to live. This is the way God created me to live. This is the way to live that fulfills the emptiness in my heart. This is the way to live that causes me to rest in God. And you'll want everybody else to discover and accept God's will for their lives too. Because when you find something great, don't you want to tell somebody else? You want to tell them that God's will, God's plan for their life is the most wonderful thing they could possibly have. And so when somebody comes to you and tells you about all the problems they're having and outside of God's will, you say, look, give yourself to God. Find His way. And things will be different. And so this morning, let's focus on the key idea here. That's giving yourself to God and letting Him renew your mind. And so God wants us to think his thoughts about life. God wants us to think his thoughts about our world, about what we are to do in the world. Now, how can we do that? How, 
How can we change our thinking? Many people struggle in life, even as believers. See, some of this thing, some of these things do not happen automatically once you become a believer. It's a process in which we grow, in which our thinking becomes renewed, and we become transformed. Many people struggle in life, and they struggle with negative, ungodly thoughts. Anybody ever heard a voice telling you, you're no good? When you did something wrong, anybody heard a little voice whispering, how dumb was that? <laughs> anybody heard that little voice? You're not going to make it. You failed before, you're going to fail again. That's not God. That's not God at all. And your thinking is determined, by, for the most part, by what you take into your mind. Long, many moons ago, when I took computer science in college, they had a saying, we'd come out, we'd put our programs in. That was where the days you put your program in in the night, and the next day you got the, re the response. <laughs> Those were the olden days, okay? And we'd come to the teacher and say, it didn't work. There's something wrong with that computer. And he said, no, nothing wrong with the computer. He said, garbage in, garbage out. Uh, you put a garbage program in and you got garbage out. And the same is true of our minds. If we put a lot of garbage into our minds, we're going to have garbage come out. We're not going to think God's thoughts. And so what do you read? What do you watch? What do you talk about the most? Is it the things that are put out by the unbelieving world around us? I mean, we are bombarded with information now. Are we not? More than in any previous generation. Never before, you know, can you walk around with the world on a little thing you hold in your hand, right? But the whole world has these phones now that you can get information on any possible topic that you want. And a lot of it is good. A lot of it is useful. A lot is helpful. But there's a lot of ungodly things. And I'm not just talking about really bad things. About things that will lead you in a way contrary to God's word. We need to make a choice to renew our minds. Renewing our minds involves two aspects. First of all, you need to reduce the amount of input that you're getting from the world. Studies have shown that news junkies are depressed. <laughs> hey, you watch too much news it's depressing because what do they highlight? The worst things. I mean, it's, and there are incredibly awful things going on in our world today. But you're going to read all about them. And I'm not saying don't look at the news, but too much of it is going to affect you negatively. And so watch what you take in to your mind. Reduce the amount of input you're getting from the world. Analyze the time you're spending being fed by ungodly ideas and depressing things and reduce it as much as possible. Now, we live in the world. We have to interact with the world. We have to know what's going on. I'm not saying stick your head in the sand. But reduce that and take that time and fill it with God's Word. Read your Bible every day. Now, we're recommending, if you're just starting out, read the Bible 15 minutes a day. And to be honest, that's a... Tough order for a lot of people. Now, that's not very much time, really, is it? Compared to all the time we watch television and our surf the internet and everything else we do. But I'm saying take some time. Fill it with God's word. 
You know, there are Christian books out there that can help you in your walk with God. Read some of those. Time for prayer, time for worship, time for fellowship with other believers, like-minded believers, time for serving in the church. And as you do that, you'll be transformed. Your mind will begin to think differently. You're going to have more positive thoughts and less negative thoughts. You're going to have more thoughts and be more open to God's Spirit telling you to do the right thing than those temptations telling you to do the wrong thing. And you'll be able to discern better what is God and what is not. And so we give ourselves to God, let God renew our minds. And next, we must think honestly about ourselves. Verse 3. So far, we've only covered two verses, so we've got to get moving here. Verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say this to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Now some people, God's word here tells us, think of themselves more highly than they ought. They have an elevated view of their own importance. Each person has a certain set of gifts and abilities from God. And we need to have an honest assessment of what those gifts and abilities are. If you don't have an honest assessment of your gifts, you're going to assume that God may have plans for your life that he really doesn't have. Every once in a while, I'll talk to somebody who gets a little overexcited about some things, and they are going to be the next Billy Graham. Okay, in their mind's eye, they see tens of thousands of people and themselves speaking in a huge stadium. And yet, they have trouble getting to church regularly on Sunday mornings. It's like it just doesn't quite add up. Thinking of themselves more highly than they ought. And it leads to a lot of trouble. It it leads you to trying things that you're really not gifted for, you're not ready for. And then you fail and you think, God, why have you failed me? Because you didn't have an honest assessment of yourself and where you are at. I think even more commonly is when people think negatively of themselves, more negatively of themselves than they should. They think, I really have not very many gifts at all. I mean, I, re I really can't do anything for God. I mean, who am I? And as we'll see, God has given each believer gifts that he wants you to use to serve him with. And if you think you have no gifts or no abilities, then you're not going to follow through on God's plan for your life either. You're going to be led astray by not doing anything. And so we need to have a sober assessment of ourselves so that we can have the faith to believe that God is going to use us and the way he's created us according to his unique plan. And as we think honestly about ourselves, it's important to realize that each one of us, if we're a believer here this morning, we're part of the body of Christ. Verse 4 and 5 says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And so as believers, we're part of something bigger than ourselves. It's not just about me and Jesus. There's a lot of talk about like that today. And it's not biblical. You know, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need anybody else. I don't need the church. 
That's just me and Jesus. We're getting along just fine. No, you're not. Just wait. And it's not going to be so fine with you because God created us to be part of the body of Christ, which is the church. And here Paul is talking about the local church that you're a member of, that you're a part of, that you regularly attend. Uh, for us here, it would be life church. And so this Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. It's meant to be lived as part of a church body. Now, my human body has different parts, right? I have hands, I have arms, I have nose, eyes, ears. We could go on and on. We have different parts, and each of those parts has a different function. They all need to work together for me to do the things that God has planned for me to do. And Paul is saying here, as in several places in the Bible, the church, the church body is similar. It, it has different members with different functions because they have different giftings. And so you're not all a bunch of clowns. You see, you're very different. God has created you differently, and that's not bad, that's good. Because you have different abilities and giftings, and when you put it all together, the church body can function the way that God intended it to be. And so God fits all the members together in a church body so that the church body can carry out his plan. And as you're part of a church body carrying out its plan, that is part of God's plan for your life too. A very important part. And so that all fits together. These verses remind us we don't just belong to ourselves. You know, there's too much of this independent thinking these days that it's just what I want to do. No, we don't belong just to ourselves. We belong to all the other members of the church body as well. We have a responsibility to others and they have a responsibility to us. And so to do our part in Christ's body, we need to use the gifts that God has given to us. Romans 6 through 8. It says we have different gifts. Underline that word, different gifts. According to the grace given us. Each of us has different gifts. There's no two of us that have exactly the same gifts. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And so God's word here gives us an example list of gifts. This is not an exhaustive list of gifts. There is no exhaustive list of gifts. In the Bible, there's numerous lists of gifts, and they're all different. They include some similar things. They're just giving examples of the types of things that God has gifted people with. Every person has at least one gift, and most of us have, we may have a gift we're strong in, and then some other things we're not so strong in. And that's why we need each other in the church body. These example gifts are prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. They're all things that God wants people to move in today that God has gifted people in. We certainly don't have time this morning to go into the description of each of these gifts. But the main point here is we ought to use the gift or gifts that God has given us. You know, if you give somebody a gift, and they don't even open it up, and they don't use it. It's kind of an insult to the giver, isn't it? I don't care enough to even unwrap that gift. It means nothing to me. And in the same way, God gives each of us gifts, and we don't use the gifts that God has given. It's, it's an insult to our Creator. I've given you this. Why aren't you using it? 
And if we don't use the gifts that God has given us, we're never going to be able to carry out His unique plan for our lives. Because the only way we can carry out that plan is with the gifts that He's given to us. And so discovering and using God's gifts, it's essential to carrying out His plan for our lives. The gifts of many people are simply lying dormant. They're not being used or they're being used very little in our lives. Now this morning we're going to concentrate on talking about using the gifts in a church setting, but the gifts that God has given are, are applicable to all areas of life. But in biblical thought, your life is centered first and foremost in the church, not in your job. In the 21st century, the world says your life is centered around your job. In God's word, your life is centered around the church. And yes, we need jobs. God will provide. You can use the gifts that God helps you to discover and learn in the church on your job as well. How do you discover your gifts? It's simply by, and again, that would be a whole message series we need to do someday, but how do you discover your gifts? It's simply by meeting needs. If there's a need, volunteer to meet it. And you're going to find out what you're good at and what you're not so good at. It's about taking risks. It's about doing things you've never done before. How are you going to discover the gifts you have if you never do something new? Now, as we get older, sometimes we get in these routines. We just do the things we've always done. As long as we're alive, God wants us to do new things. He's whispering, you could do that. Why don't you try? And we're going to find we have some gifts that we didn't know we had before. doesn't matter what your age, whether you're young, middle-aged, or older. As long as you're alive, God wants us to use the gifts that he's given us. And many of us have discovered some of those gifts. And God wants us to grow in using those gifts. God wants us to step out in greater ways in using the gifts that he's given to us and using them in a way with more impact. So now let's look at some general principles in the last verses we're going to look at this morning that will guide us as we seek to use the gifts that God has given us to carry out his plan for our lives. First of all, be devoted to the church. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Now what phrase appears twice in this single verse? It's not a hard question. Okay, one another. Okay, underline one another. Who is the one another? It's other believers in the church body. One another. There's all kinds of verses, commands in the Bible about one another. It's talking about other believers in the church body. You cannot fulfill those commands if you're not part of a church family, a church body. And you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ, following him completely without being devoted to a church family. You can't carry out God's unique plan for your life without being a member of a church body. And so we are to be devoted to one another, to honor one another. Using your gifts requires thinking about others and their needs above our own. As believers carry out God's plan, we need to serve the Lord eagerly. It says in verse 11, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor 
serving the Lord. Is that keeping our spiritual fervor? Say, we need some more people to usher on Sunday mornings. Well, if you can't find anybody else, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> Is that spiritual fervor? Is that being eager to serve the Lord? We serve the Lord eagerly. Be excited about using your gifts to serve others. You see, one thing leads to another. It's just like, it's really, it's just like on the job. You know, you, a lot of people don't get this. You start kind of low in most jobs, and you do the grunt work, okay? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Right? And if you do that well with a cheerful attitude, guess what? You won't have to do You'll be moved up on the ladder. But if all you do is grumble and complain, you're going to be doing that for a long time until you look for a new job. And the same is true in the body of Christ. We do, we get in, we do the things that are needed. We do it all with uh, excitement. We're not bored. We don't just go through the motions. God uses us, and as we do, he expands us. He expands our faith. He expands our understanding of our own giftings. And as everybody in the church is doing that, guess what? The church as a whole, the ministries grow. And it's able to impact more and more people because living for Jesus is great. There's nothing better than that. It's an adventure in serving him with zeal and spiritual fervor. And finally, be filled with joy. It says in verse 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. What is hope all about? Hope is looking to the future at Believing God that there's something even better tomorrow than today. That's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And as we wait for better things tomorrow, we're joyful in the today. Now, some people get, get that confusing. Oh, I wish things were better tomorrow, and it's so miserable today. But God wants us to be joyful today as we're looking for even better things tomorrow. There are times when we're afflicted as we serve the Lord. And what do we do when we're afflicted? We're patient. We're still filled with joy. We're patient. We're knowing that this is going to pass. We're patient. God is with us. We're still carrying out his unique plan for our lives. Was Jesus ever afflicted in his ministry on earth? And just like the one we follow, so we're going to be afflicted from time to time. But we're patient when we're afflicted. And in all we do, we're faithful in prayer. We can't do these things on our own. We need God's help. We need God's direction. We need God's strength. And so we're faithful in prayer. We're faithful in keeping our communication lines open and clear with God. Spending time with Him each and every day. And so I encourage you, I just was going through this and I said, well, verse 12, that's enough. But there's a lot of other verses towards the end of chapter 12 of Romans. I'd encourage you to read the whole chapter, discovering more principles about living out God's plan for your life in the church. And so let's summarize what God is teaching us today. We're talking about God's unique plan for our lives. God created you. And he created a plan for your life. The Bible calls that God's will for your life. And your only reasonable response, if God created you and he has a plan, is to submit yourself to that plan. Don't fight it. Some people just fight against God's plan for their lives. 
That's not smart. It's not going to get you anywhere. Submit yourself to God's plan for your life. Even if it's not where you thought things were going. God will make it clear. And that's what worship is all about. Submitting to his plan. In order to understand God's will, we must have our minds renewed by God's word. Or we're never going to understand. We're going to just like, oh, that can't be. God will speak something to you and you'll go, oh, I, I could never do that. And just dismiss it if your mind isn't renewed by the word of God. 30 minutes on Sunday mornings. Or maybe 40 this morning. Sorry. Uh, it's just an appetizer. That's just an appetizer. It's great. But it's meant to get you into God's word, get you going for the rest of the week. The Bible talks about eating the daily bread of God's word. We need, you know, if you ate once a week, would you be strong physically? You'd be pretty emaciated and weak. And so you need to eat the daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And the Lord's Prayer doesn't speak just about food. It speaks about spiritual food. God's Word is the bread that we need each and every day. God wants us to think honestly about ourselves. Be content with how God has made you and use the gifts that He's given you each and every day. Our gifts are meant to be used in the body of Christ, the church. It's only as part of a church body that you're going to carry out God's plan for your life in its fullness. And so look for opportunities to serve the Lord joyfully with eagerness. Be devoted to Christ and his body. And as you are, God is going to help you live out the adventure that he has for your life. And it's a wonderful life that he has designed with his unique plan for you. Now to live out God's unique plan for your life, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't live out God's unique plan for your life without knowing Jesus. And today, if you're not sure that you know him, I'm going to explain how you can know Jesus. It's not difficult, but it's the biggest step, the most important step that you could take in your life. The first thing is to admit that you've sinned. And what is sin all about? Sin is simply following your will, your plans for life, for your life rather than God's plans. That's what sin is all about. God says, live life this way. And you say, no, I'm going to live life that way. That's sin. The middle letter in the word sin in the English language is I. Not in the Greek, it's hamartia. So uh, it doesn't work in the Greek, but the middle letter is I. It's all about me. And we admit I've done wrong. I've sinned. Secondly, we believe. We believe in Jesus Christ that he came to this earth. The Son of God lived a perfect life and died on the cross. The Bible says he took our sin upon himself. He paid the penalty for our sin. God's word says the penalty for our sin is death. It's to spend eternity in hell. And Jesus took that penalty because he never sinned. And when we ask him, to forgive our sins, he forgives us. When we believe in him, he can forgive our sins. And finally, we commit our lives to following Jesus as our Lord and Savior, following his unique plan for our lives. You see, he's alive right now. He rose from the dead. He's in heaven. And through his Holy Spirit, he guides us along his plan for our lives. So let's bow our heads right now.
And if you're not sure that you know Jesus, I'd encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me. And even if you don't understand it all, that's okay. God knows your heart. It's all about giving your life to Him. Letting go of your own way of living and surrendering to His plan. So pray along with me something like this. Father, just in your own mind, God knows your thoughts. Say, Father, today, I thank you for what you've taught me. I admit that I've sinned. I've done things that I knew were wrong that are contrary to what your word teaches. I've lived life my own way, following my will and not yours. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross that my sins might be forgiven. I don't totally understand it, but I know He paid the price so that I do not have to go to hell. Please forgive me. Wash away my sins. I commit my self to you Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. I want to follow your plan for my life all the days of my life in Jesus name. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for creating us and for giving us everything that we have. There's nothing we have, God, that didn't come from you. And today as an act of worship, I give it all back to you as a living sacrifice. I hold nothing back. I give you who I am, who I hope to be, all the resources that you placed in my life. I give it to you to use for your purposes and for your plan for me. Renew my mind, God, according to your word so that I can discover and live out your will. Help me, God, not to be conformed to the pressure of the world around me, but to be transformed by your word. Help me to think honestly about who you've made me to be. Help me to use the gifts that you've given me to serve others. And may I be devoted to the church body that I might fulfill your plan for my life and for this church. Forgive me, God, when I haven't been enthusiastic about serving you when I've grumbled and complained. But help me to be filled with joy as I serve you. And guide me, God, and this church in your perfect will so that we might reach more and more people for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.